welcome to the Pearl Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that this message blesses you in a way that is inspiring, encouraging, and transformational. For more information about our church, please visit thepearl.church. We hope you enjoy this message. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. There's another translation that says, fan into flame and rekindle the fire of the spiritual gift. The title of my message today is Fan the Flame, Confronting the Fear that Keeps Your Gift Dormant. Close your eyes right now. Jesus, we just pray right now that you would fill this place even as you have this morning in worship, God. Father, I pray right now for every person who has a gift that's been buried or a gift that's been dormant, that your Holy Spirit would do the work that from your word, God, you would bring to light those areas in our life, Jesus, that we've allowed to fall to the wayside, God. And Father, I pray this morning that you would fan into flame, that something would happen in church today, God, that we would remember that that moment, February 2nd, 2020, that God spoke to me and God's lit me on fire and something came alive in me that day. So I pray Jesus for faith to fill where there is um, doubt this morning. God, that your faith would fill us this morning. In Jesus' name, can I hear a big amen? Fan into flame. I think about this, you know, Paul, this is his very last letter that he ever wrote. He wrote a lot of the New Testament. He wrote a lot of letters to churches, encouraging them and to people. Second Timothy is the very last letter he wrote. It wrote it when he was in prison. Can you imagine if I knew I was in prison and I was about ready to be um, killed for my faith and someone said, write a letter to your children, Kaylee, Tessa, and Kai. It makes me choke up thinking about it. Did first service too. Literally, what would you write in there? It wouldn't be like, ah, oh, I'm craving Chick-fil-A and it's a Sunday. It's such a bummer, you know, <laughs> which happens to me. Anybody else happens to you on a Sunday? Okay. Ah, oh, Chick-fil-A on Sunday. Always sounds good. But that's not what you're going to be writing in your last letter. This is the very last letter he writes to his spiritual son. It has weight to it. It has a weightiness to it. And you know what he says first off? The very first subject he dives into is this. Stir up the gift of God that is in you. Fan the flame of the gift that is in you. And God has not given you a spirit of fear, Timothy, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Come on, that's the way to start your final words. There's a weight to that. God is speaking to you this morning. As we're in the series of clarity, God wants to clear, clearly wake you up this morning. So we went to the eye doctor last week. This week, God is going to wake you up and set you on fire today for what he wants to do through your life. You know, um, I read this C.S. Lewis quote and it made me laugh and I I think it might make you laugh too, but I loved how the meaning behind it. C.S. Lewis writes this, it may be hard for an egg to turn into a bird. It would be a jolly slight harder for it to learn to fly while remaining an egg. We are like eggs at present, and you cannot go on indefinitely being just an ordinary, decent egg. We must be hatched or go bad. (laughs) Come on. Is that not so funny? Okay, so we're good, decent eggs, right? But if you let that gift that God has put in you sit on a shelf and just, it's going to go bad. 
unless you let the Holy Spirit come and hatch something and bring something to life. That egg, that gift inside of you cannot just sit on a shelf. It will go bad. So turn to your neighbor and say, we're going to hatch today. You know, I I bet you didn't wake up this morning and think, I'm going to say that to my neighbor this morning in church. I'm going to hatch today. But that's what God wants to do. Number one, we have to know that God's gift is in us. We have to understand that God has gifted each one of us. Romans 7, 7, each are gifted by God in various and dissimilar ways. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 7, it says, there are diversity in gifts, there's but the same spirit. There's differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. See, God gives us gifts and they're not just for us to just hide. God has given us gifts because he wants to work through those gifts for the profit of all. That's why. You know, some people come to me and they're saying, Pastor Don, I don't know what my gift is. I want to say this to you. It's harder to miss your gift than to find it. Because we make this all mysterious. I need to go through a seminar and find out my spiritual gifts. And yet week after week, you happen to be the one that notices that the coffee is keeps running dry. And why doesn't someone have a better system to make sure that we have enough coffee for everybody? Okay, I'm just going to give you a little newsflash. You might have a little glimpse into your gift. Maybe you have a gift of administration or hospitality and you can't help but notice those things. There's things that you're just good at naturally. You can't even help it. You can't stop it. Your mind just works that way. Your personality just works that way. How did God make you? And you say, what is my gift? Is what am I natural at? What is that thing that is just good? I just do it well and it's not even hard for me. I was laughing when I, when I grew up, I have a brother, he's a year older than me and he is a doctor now, he's a physician. And we would do, we were in a Christian school and oftentimes our science classes, unfortunately for my sake, were together. Well, fortunately, because I could ask him for help, but unfortunately, because I constantly compared myself with him. Science for him would go like this. I go into a class, I get taught a lecture. It's literally, I know that for life. I never have to be told again. I don't have to go to my textbook. I don't have to study. It's literally like, oh, those crazy long scientific words, they just went into his mind and just went stick. My mind was like, wait, it's that really long word. I think it has a pH in there somewhere. I don't know, but it's something like that. I would have to study and study and study and study. And you know what? He would still get better grades than me in science. But here's how God made me. We were in music lessons together. I was a violinist and taking violin, and he was taking piano. And um, we would go, you know, because my mom would take us together to lessons. And so I would have to sit through my brother's piano lessons, the poor guy. So I'm sitting there, and I literally, as the teacher is telling my brother everything in his lesson, everything would just like him in science would just like, I'd be like, oh, I cannot wait to get home because I think I could actually play that song already. Like in my mind, I'd never taken a piano lesson in my life. And I'd be like, I think I can go home and play it. Sure enough, I would go home and it would just kind of fall in naturally. I would just be like, oh, I can just see how that goes. I could hear how it goes. I just, it was natural to me. So I remember one time my mom and dad, this caused a little bit of friction in the home, as you can imagine, because my brother had to, to work a little harder at that. And I was banned from using his music. So my parents were like, how we're going to solve this is you're not allowed to touch any of your brother's music. None of it. So I'm like, 
oh man, I could not find any piano music. You know what happened? I found a hymn book and that's literally how I started to teach myself how to read. I took the hymn book and I would just like, ding, ding, ding. So not only was I learning these hymns of the faith, but I was learning piano. Well, that was a clue to me. I was passionate. I was hungry. I just had to know a little bit more. It was natural to me. What kind of things are natural to you? That's what God wants to use. It's harder to miss. Number two, God is asking you to fan your gift into flame. And I want to say this to you. This is nobody else's job. I'm going to say that one more time. This is nobody else's job. I get told, I'm waiting for a mentor to speak into my life. I'm waiting for someone to see the gift of God in me and call it out. Do you know what? I, as a pastor, that's one of my greatest joys is to meet with someone and help them discover how God's made them and to be part of like pulling that out of them. But that's not what Paul says to Timothy. He says to Timothy, you fan into flame the gift that God has given you. He doesn't say, go find a person that can fan it into flame. Go find a place that can fan it into flame. He says, Timothy, you are responsible to fan into flame the gift that is inside of you. You are. You know, I think about this. When God gives us a gift, he gives us both a spiritual gift and he gives us a natural gift. And even um, when we receive Christ into our hearts, and you'll have an opportunity at the end of the service if you haven't done that, but when we receive Christ into our hearts, what happens is his spirit, his Holy Spirit comes and it links with our human spirit and it says it becomes one spirit. And that one spirit, you know what it's like? It's like an ember. Some of the commentaries I was reading, it was so beautiful. It was like when God's spirit unites with our spirit, there's an ember So we're not ones that are responsible to create that ember, but God gives us each this ember and he says, now you got to make it into a fire. You got to provide the things there that make it a fire. So how do it in the natural? How do you make a fire? You got to have oxygen. The right elements have to be fed into that flame. If you're going to try to make a fire and you have an ember right there, you need the right elements. You got to put a little kindling on there and then you... It's amazing that if you begin to blow oxygen, the element of oxygen, something will happen and all of a sudden that kindling is going to burst into flame. That's what I feel like God's going to do this morning by the Holy Spirit to you and your heart and your spirit, what God's designed you to do. But there's other elements. There's this element called water. What if I took that same ember that can just burst into flame and I began to pour water on it? You know what's going to happen? It's going to go out. And it's not going to be able to go on fire. So we have to feed our spirit with the right elements. The things that we have to feed our spirit to come alive. We have to feed the worship and the word and God's house. Why does the enemy love to keep people out of church? It's because you can have a tough week and you come in here with your ember and you're not feeling so on fire for God. And you walk in and worship. Just burst into flame. Oh, man, I'm going to go into my week tomorrow with a totally different perspective. Something's a fire in me. So there's some elements that we as Christians, you know what else? Another way is to get around someone that's on fire. You know, it's amazing what happens when you get around someone that is passionately burning for Jesus and the things of God. You can't help but light on fire. Last night as I was praying for our church, I literally saw this in a vision. I saw fires going out into our city. You know, we want God to use us as a church. We have to get on fire. 
we got to take that ember and we need to blow on with the word and with worship in God's house and, and begin to let the atmosphere and the elements of the Holy Spirit blow onto that thing so that when we go into our week, we would make a difference. We see that coworker that's crying and your fire is just on, like there. You say, can I pray for you? Who knows the divine appointment that is just set before you like a gift? But see the ember, the, uh, the enemy wants you to just walk around with your ember just tucked in here. I'm not going to use it. I'm not going to use it. We've got to also feed our natural gifts. You know, as a musician, I so appreciate my parents. They fed into that the elements that were needed to feed that gift. They bought me an instrument. They bought me lessons. They bought me music and they began to feed that gift. And lo and behold, something burst into flame. And I love worship. I love music. I love being able to sit there. God used that, but see, something had to feed into it. An artist is gonna need a canvas, right? We gotta feed. So you know that God's gifted you in a certain way Say, Lord, what do you want me to do with that? Say, you have the gift of administration. Maybe you need a computer. Maybe you need a class. Maybe you need to, to step into a leadership class. What is it that we need to begin to fan the flame of what God has put in our hearts? God might have already spoken to you what he's asked you to do, what he's called you to do. And you're just sitting there with your little ember. And God today is saying, fan the flame of what I've already given you. Bring it to life. Because you know something about fire, as I was studying it, is it is either growing and getting bigger or it's dying and it's getting smaller. There's no two ways. It can't just stay neutral. It's either going to be growing or it's going to get smaller. Number three, it's time to confront our fears for what they are. I want you to recognize this, that Paul says to Timothy, fear is not of me. So guess what? When we are experiencing fear, it is not of the Lord. In fact, it's the absolute tool of the enemy to keep you from using your gift. There's a parable in Matthew, Matthew 25, verse 25. And this is the parable of the talents. Have you guys heard of that? There was a, a master and he had three servants. He had a servant and he gave him five talents. He had a servant and he gave him two talents. And then he had a servant and he gave him one talent. This is a parable that Jesus is describing something. And the parable of the, the guy, the servant that had the five talents said, you know what? I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to invest. I'm going to work with what you've given me. And then what happened? He made it into 10. But you know what that took? I think about this because we oftentimes talk about the guy with the one talent that buried it, which we're going to get to. But do you know the person with five talents had to take a risk? with that, had to step out and actually use what the master gave him. How scary would that be? Someone gives you all of this money and you're like, I'm going to invest it. Oh my word. What if it doesn't work? What if there was four servants? I started thinking about this last night. What would the Lord have said if, if, if he had given, say we had a three talent guy and, and the master came back and that servant had done everything he could but he had spent it all. I think the Lord would be way pleased with that servant more than the one that buried it. We get so afraid. And so we hold back and we don't use what God has given us. So do you know what happened? God, uh, the master comes back. That one talent servant, you know what he did? He buried it in the ground because he was scared to lose it. 
He buried it in the ground. Who in this room is burying what God has given you in the ground? Because do you know what happened? This is what his excuse was. The servant said, but I was afraid. So I hid your talent in the ground. Here it is. You can have it. You're going to get to heaven and be like, yeah, here's that gift. Here it is, God. And God's like, well, what did you do with it? Well, I hid it in the ground because I was afraid. You know what the master said? He said, you wicked and you lazy servant. Talk about harsh words right there. You wicked and you lazy servant. And you know, he banished him. You know what else he did is he took his one talent that he had and he gave it to the one who already now had 10. What a crazy story. But sometimes I think when I see someone that's extraordinarily talented, I think, did they start with all of that talent or, or did it multiply? And, and not even, I'm, I'm totally going outside of the bounds of what I know to be scripture, but think about that story. Do you think that someone that buries a talent that God sometimes is like, well, this guy over here, he's using all that talent. We're just, that's just going to stay buried. I'm just going to like shove that talent. I mean, I don't know how the Lord works, but I know this. Jesus says that parable and it has impacted me. What are you going to do with what I gave you? God uniquely designs each of us. We're not made the same. This morning I was talking about all, there's so many different gifts that God gives us. But the enemy wants to stand with fear like that servant. I was afraid, so I buried my talent. See, fear paralyzes our minds. It literally paralyzes our minds, and then we don't do anything. Have you ever had like this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I feel like I'm supposed to do this. I feel like I'm gonna, supposed to be a connect group leader because I love people, and I feel this area. I'm just bringing this home right now since we're right now launching connect groups. So no guilt on anybody. Well, maybe a little bit. But you feel this, like, I'm supposed to do something with this gift that God's given me. And then all of a sudden you're like, fear. What if nobody comes? What if I do a bad job? What if it doesn't go really well? Do you know what I want to ask you is the Lord isn't saying you have to, you have to start a connect group and it's going to be like, and I'm going to say, well done. No, he's saying, I asked you to start a connect group. I didn't ask for you to make sure it was successful the first time. He said, I asked you to start a connect group and we sit and we wait and we wait because fear paralyzes us. We're not good enough. We're insignificant. We compare ourselves. I'm not as good as so-and-so. There's blew up. But, and so we bury it. And God this morning wants to activate, activate that gift of God that is in you. Fear will paralyze you. You know, I read an interesting story about Black Bart. Has anybody heard about Black Bart? He was a professional thief that used to traumatize uh, the Wells Fargo stage line. And he, they would, the stage line would go from San Francisco to New York. And he was, everybody was scared to run into Black Bart. And so there was like fear all the time. For eight years, in eight years, they um, came and they attacked 29 different stagecoach crews. But you know what's interesting? He never fired a shot. Not one time. He never took a hostage. He never was chased by the sheriffs. All he did was come in this hood so nobody could see his face. And his very presence was so sinister that it freaked everybody else and it would paralyze his uh, victims. It says this, I read this, his sinister presence was enough to overwhelm the uh, toughest stagecoach guard. 
Fear alone. They didn't even try. They just saw that hood and the stories and the fear, and they just sat there and were like, take everything. Right? But think about this. What has God spoken to you that you haven't even stepped out into? You haven't even failed. You haven't even tried. You haven't even tried to write that book that God told you to do. You haven't even stepped out to talk to a stranger, even though you feel this burning sensation to tell them the gospel. You haven't even failed yet, but the enemy has you paralyzed with his sinister face and his presence. And the enemy is after your gift so that you do not step out. Because can you imagine this congregation, this amount of people in the city of Denver, that are aflame with what God has given them, that begin to step out and step into what God has for them, that are burning with the fire of God, we would turn our city upside down. Turn our city upside down. Do not let the enemy paralyze you with fear. Fear strips our confidence and it strips our peace. You know, I, just in my randomness, um, read a bunch of fears this week. What are these fears? Why is fear such a huge thing right now in culture? And here are some fears that you might want to learn about just to know today. But do you know that there are so many phobias now listed, they actually can't keep up with them because there's new ones all the time. Think about that. Here's one of the latest ones. Nomophobia is the fear of being without a cell phone or computer. (laughs) Literally a listed phobia, okay? Here's another one, pelidophobia, and I'll probably say these kind of wrong, fear of baldness or bald people. That is like so okay. Porphyphobia is the fear of the color purple. You're like, purple, oh my gosh, I'm fear. I mean, the enemy is just having a heyday with us, you guys. Like there's so many fears now. Here's one that's a little odd, and I'll probably say it wrong, but kytophobia is a fear of hairy people. I mean, I don't know. Levophobia is the fear of objects on the left side of the body. Dextrophobia is the fear of objects on the right side of the body. Aurorophobia is the fear of the northern lights. <laughs> I was like, so, wow. Okay, that's listed. Okay, caliprophobia is this fear of obscure meanings. So you're like, oh, what does it mean? And just like fear grips you, right? Thalassophobia is the fear of being seated. Stabus bassa something or other phobia is the fear of standing and walking. So the enemy is torturing some people like sitting is super scary. And then other people is like standing and walking is super scary. Are are you catching what I'm seeing? The enemy loves fear. Here's another one. Odontophobia is the fear of teeth. That'd be rough just because we need our teeth to like eat and stuff. Here's one I got to admit I have a tiny bit of myself. Potophobia, which is the fear of feet. (laughs) If you know me, that's enough said. Okay. And then here was the, this craziest one of all, phobophobia, the fear of being afraid. <laughs> Does the enemy love fear or what? He is literally taunting the world with fear, with anxiety. The amount of people that are dealing with true anxiety is through the roof more than ever before. Why? Because he's roaming the earth trying to freak you out. He's like uh, Black Bart. He's got a hood on. He can't do anything, but he has a hood on and he's sinister and he's trying to keep you in your pew. He's trying to keep you in your pew. Loving church, loving God, and doing nothing else about your faith. That is what the enemy wants to do. He wants you to sit in your stagecoach, safe. 
And God's asking us to take a little risk. If we're going to reach our city, it's going to take more than Doug and I and the pastors to reach our city. It's going to take us as a body of Christ coming alive with what God has called us to do. I think about this. Years ago, when I was about maybe 14 years old, my parents know this story, but I, I had a fear of being in front of people, speaking in front of people, major fear. My dad asked me one time to simply just play a violin solo at a church and just greet the people. And literally fear, I mean, I was, I was so, I mean, anxious. I said the dumbest thing. I didn't even make any sense. I said, I can't even remember how I said it, but like, uh, I really love my church. It's a really great church. I'm not even at my church. I'm at like somebody else's church. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, that was really impacting. And then I turned around to my dad and I go, I don't know what to say. I had this outrageous fear of being in front of people. And we went to Ireland and Uganda that summer for several weeks. And uh, somebody in Ireland actually laid his hands on me. And out of nowhere, he didn't know my story. He didn't know that that happened a few weeks ago. He didn't know that just like terrorized me. And he just laid his hand on me and he said, I'm good. God's going to loose your tongue. I think about that now and I think, wow, the thing I was the most afraid about was linked to the thing that God has called me to do, which is to speak and to inspire people. So what does the enemy do? He's like, I'm going to make her freaked out to be up in front of people. Sometimes what we're afraid of is directly linked to what God has called us and anointed us to do. We got to wake up and say no more. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say no more. This is just a funny story. Um, but one of the things in fear that happens is the enemy kind of feeds you false information. And all of a sudden you hear, oh, you know, I shouldn't do that because of this. And fears begin to like magnify, right? And so um, this story is told of this young man and he um, was doing a science fair and he decided to do a project. He ended up winning it, but he was attempted to show how conditioned we have become to alarmist practicing junk science and the spreading of fear of everything in our environment. So he did an experiment. He decided to put a petition out and so he spread this petition out, demanding strict control or total elimination of the chemical dehydrogen monoxide. So he went around, somebody knows. So somebody is walking around, but listen to me. He went and he did a survey of how many people, because here's what he said. For plenty good reasons, we need to ban or at least strict control because it can cause excessive sweating and vomiting. It is a major component of acid rain. It can cause severe burns in a gaseous state. Accidental inhalation can kill you. You read this list and you're like, ooh, scary, scary. It decreases effectiveness of automobile brakes. It has been found in tumors of terminal cancer patients. And of the 50 that he asked, 43 of them signed a petition to ban, to, to, uh, ban this dehydrogen monoxide. Six of them were unsighted, undecided, and only one person said, what did you say? Dehydrogen, two hydrogens, and one monoxide, one, oh, H2O. <laughs> Think about this, 43 people, because it sounded scary, literally were willing to sign a petition to ban water 
which is all that we need. But this is exactly, exactly what the enemy does. He uses big language and make things bigger than it seems and scarier. And if you do that, and if you do that, oh, don't step out in that. That person's not going to like you. They're going to be awkward around you if you share the gospel with that coworker. It's going to be, and honestly, all of these things come in and they're not even true. And if we actually listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us today, we unveil the plan of the enemy in our lives because he's trying to make us scared to step into what God has called us to. So he's going to do everything in his power. Number four, use all of what the Holy Spirit has given you. It says he's given us power, he's given us love, and he's given us a sound mind. Think about power. You know, first when I read that, I'm like thinking of like muscle men and like really big, strong people. But really that's not what I'm feeling as I was reading and reading lots of commentaries. How I took it as... God is the power. He's given us access to the power. It's just like plugging in your iPhone, right? It's dead. Your phone's dying. You plug it into the source and you got power. Have you ever been in a power outage where you um, forgot that you're in a power outage and you walk into a room and you turn the light on anyways and you're like, oh, shoot, I forgot the power's out. And you go into the next room and you're like, oh, shoot, I forgot the power's out. We as Christians, when we don't ignite that ember that's inside of us, it is literally like we're walking around as Christians with the power out, the power's out. And you go to, to access that and you haven't even plugged into it. God's saying he has given you access to all of his power and he is amazing. We sang about it this morning. God can raise people from the dead. God can heal people. And he's waiting for you to connect to that power and step out in faith. It also says God has given us love. Now, what does love represent? It is so sacrificial. The greatest love that we experience is that God died on the cross for our sins. He laid his life down. So love is not something that we gain. It's something we give. God has given us love so when we think about it that way and you're thinking about what God has called you to do, it's not about you and your gift. It's about that love that you're supposed to pour out. It's about you using that gift. Why? To bring somebody into the kingdom. There are people in this room that would not be in this room if my family would not have reached out with the love of God and said, can I pray for you? And I don't say that to lift our family up. I'm saying, do we believe what we sing? Do we believe what we pray? Do we believe what we preach? That we are called to reach people with the love of God. God gives it to us. It's sacrificial. It's going to interrupt your schedule. And it's going to make you stay five minutes later because you have this feeling you should talk to that person after work. You just have this feeling they kind of need you. It's going to interrupt your schedule. But love is what motivates us. So power, God's power is our source for that gift and love is the motivator for that gift. And lastly, sound mind. It says he's given us a sound mind. You know, I would say with clarity, that, that is a sound mind. And when we don't have clarity, our minds can be unhealthy and can be kind of messed up. You know, I had the weirdest, strangest dream um, about three weeks ago. And uh, I've had a lot of, you know, I sometimes get prophetic dreams. I wasn't sure what this was when I woke up, but I was a little scared. 
So I had this dream, and the, the day before, to give you context of probably what led to this dream, was um, my daughter's car uh, died. And so we were needing to replace her car. So I'd been online looking at all of the stats and all of the prices and all these different car sites and kind of had landed on CarMax and I was looking at a specific card that was there and I, I was reading all the reports on it. So that had been the day before, right? To give you context. So that night I go to bed and I'm intending the next day in the morning to go there and kind of work out that situation. So in my dream, I wake up in my dream and I had been wandering around CarMax in my slippers <laughs> and in my bathrobe. And my hair was like, Whoa. and I had my glasses on, no makeup. Like I had just gotten out of bed and brushed my teeth or anything and literally had my bathrobe and slippers. And in my dream, I had been walking around CarMax looking at cars, how embarrassing, and looking like this, totally <laughs> disheveled. And then I had a clear moment in my dream. I woke up, looked down, and was like, what am I doing? How did I get here? Like, literally, what is going, like, I was so freaked out. I saw an open door. I ran into, it was like a little business room where probably you sign papers if you're buying a car or something. I don't know. I ran in there and slammed the door in my dream, and I called Doug, and I'm freaking out. I'm like, Doug, I'm in CarMax, and I'm in my bathrobe and slippers and my glasses and my hair is everywhere, and I don't know how I ended up here, and I was bawling. I was freaking out because I had lost my mind. I literally had lost my mind. And then as soon as I called Doug, literally, I wake up, and I'm in my bed, and I was like, oh, thank God. Oh my gosh, I'm not at CarMax in my slippers. Oh, thank God, because I am going there today. So that's just weird. Um, but I think about, that was, it was a weird dream. So I get to church that day and Doug's like, hey, I've, I've landed on what passage I want you to speak in February. I said, awesome. What passage do you want me to speak on? And he said, I want you to speak on, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And then he walks back into his office and I was like, Okay, I just had an experience with not having a sound mind. But what I feel honestly in this moment, it scared me. Nothing is more scary than not having a sound mind and not having clarity of thought and clarity of purpose. And you know, the enemy literally, and I, I'm being a little heavy this morning, but I, I can't help it. It's burning inside of me. If we do not wake up, we are going to lose more people. If we do not wake up to what God is trying to wake us up with and bring clarity, then we are going to lose people in Denver that will never know Christ. We have to have clear minds and sound judgment because you know what fear does? It completely annihilates sound judgment. As soon as we um, have fear and we allow it and we begin to like walk in it, all of a sudden, we start to do strange things, things that don't make sense. I thought Doug was gone, and I, I heard a noise in the middle of the night this week. And we have a dog, and my mind was telling me, I'm sure it's the dog. But fear kind of was like, oh my gosh, what if someone's in my house, and I'm two floors down from my parents, and my kids are sleeping? So I race out, and it's like I knew it was, but fear gripped me and made me so anxious when I didn't even need to be. That is literally what the enemy wants to do. He wants to make fear dominant in your life. But God wants to give you power. It's his power. It's not in our own strength. His power needs to activate that gift. 
his love, an understanding of the love of God. It's not about our gift. It's understanding that our gift is to be laying down our lives for people around us. So love is the motivator for that gift. And then a sound mind or another translation says discipline or self-control. That's the key to the effectiveness with which we use that gift. So with every eye closed this morning, I wanna pray for some people this morning. I believe with all sincerity that there's some people that have buried some things. There's some people that have excuses why they would never wanna use that gift again because maybe they even have church hurt or they have something that, that made them feel like, oh, I've just had these words spoken over me or whatever. There's things that keep us afraid and keep us. I wanna pray for three groups of people this morning. I wanna pray for, for those that this morning God has identified something that you have buried and God is speaking clearly to you to fan the flame. God is speaking clearly to you this morning. Second group of people I wanna pray for is those that fear has been paralyzing you, confusing you, causing you to doubt what God's spoken to you, causing you to hold back. Fear is gripping you. And the third group of people I wanna pray for this morning is people that have been struggling with your mind. Your mind is not clear. When I say the word sound mind, you say to yourself, do I have a sound mind? I'm not 100% sure. Sometimes it's, it's not clear. I'm struggling with a mental health issue in my life. I felt like the Lord told me to pray for you this morning because that's literally something the enemy is using to keep you in your seat, to keep you from stepping out. So this morning, I want there to be something that happens in your spirit that is so desperate to not let the enemy win. That There's a faith this morning. So if any one of those three things, if God is speaking, I want you to lift your hand right now in this place. Lift your hand straight up, not in fear. I mean, straight up. And God is identifying something in you right now. And you're saying, okay, God, I hear you. You're speaking to me. You're calling my name right now. And I will not be silent any longer. I will not be. I will not think of myself insignificantly any longer. What you have given me as a gift is significant. And now I'm going to do something. We won't do this every week, but I am asking you this Sunday. I felt really strongly. If you raised your hand, would you please be bold enough to break through the barrier of fear and walk forward this morning? This is not so I can see you or identify you. This is because I feel like God said it's connected. Your faith to say my hand is going to go into my step. I'm not just going to take this word and just sit on it. I'm going to take a step of faith. So everybody, if you could just stand with me as we close this morning. If any three of those areas caused you to raise your hand, don't wimp out now. God wants to break free something in your life. There's been fear gripping you. Come on. Come on. There's been something that's been holding you back. There's been something limiting you. Maybe it's something that has happened in your life. Come on. Keep on coming. Come from the balcony. I'll wait for you. Press in here. There's still room here. God's going to do something significant. I felt like this morning God was going to do something significant. Significant. I'm still waiting. There's still people coming. That step of faith is your first step to freedom. That you walk in down here, some from the very balcony, and your heart might be pounding. 
And you're like, oh, do I really have to go forward? I lift my hand, isn't that enough? Come on, it's gonna take us fanning the flame. It's gonna be us stepping out of that fear and saying no more. So right now I want the prayer team, if that's you and you're here for the altar, can you lift your hands? Everybody here that is at the altar, lift your hands and the prayer team is gonna be coming and gathering. If you are trained as part of our prayer team, I want you to gather around people. If you're down at the altar, you can know that these people have been praying for you, that they have been trained, nothing crazy is gonna happen. They just wanna pray for you because right now God is going to do something significant in this place. There has been a limitation on you that God is going to break off of you. So right now in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every single person in this room that has identified Jesus, something that is buried, something that is dormant, something that causes them. Be afraid to step out into all that you have for them, God. I pray in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, that a faith would come into this room, God. Father, that we would not be ones that walk in fear, but we walk in power and love and a sound mind. Right now, in Jesus' name, we just pray. Come on, stretch out your hands to every person. I want us to be all together. Stretch out your hands. I want you to begin to pray. God, we just thank you for freedom this morning. God, I thank you for new life this morning. God, I pray that every weight, every torturing thing that has been on the mind in Jesus' name, that there would be a freedom in Jesus' name, that we would not be captive by those fears any longer, that we would not hold back, that we would not hold back the gift of God that is in us in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that right now, Jesus, we would begin to fan that flame, God. We would begin to fan that flame of the Holy Spirit. Come on, stir up your faith. If you're down here, I want you to begin to pray. I want you to confess your sin before the Lord that you have allowed the enemy to, to press in and to hedge you in. I want you to ask the Lord to fan that flame in your spirit. Come on, I want to see some fires this morning. You begin right now to practice it. Come on, if you're in your seat, I want you to intercede. I want you to pray. I want you to pray for breakthrough right now. Don't disengage. Begin to pray. Begin to pray for breakthrough right now in Jesus' name. Total breakthrough. The lies of the enemy that they would be gone the lies of the enemy, that they would be broken, that anything that is in the minds that would cause them to, to, not, to not step forward in Jesus' name. This is a new day. This is a new day. This is a new day. Jesus' name, this is a new day. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's a new day. It's a new day. Thank you, Jesus. 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 God is in this place. God is in this place. Come on, if you're down here, I want you to continue to just sing. We're going to go into Mighty God. We're going to be singing about who God is. But if you're up here, continue to pray. Prayer team, continue to pray. Let's sing. Come on, sing together.